Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Abide, abide with me, Salvation Army, drive your balmy. Amorettes with their subtle movements were a big improvement, then disapprovement. Goals galore with Psycho's four, Burgers poor showed him the door. Tonkers missile, Repkers gristle, Bobby Moore playing the referee's whistle. Stretchy three against the two army, history was a sight to see. Gave him indigestion, depress him, and now it's a famous quiz night question. You remember, work your club members, season starts at the beginning of September. Trevor Supreme with Debbie Cream, Dixie. He's mean nigga in your team Taking your son down the chicken run Singing songs about Victoria's bum Cheer when we're losing Picking and choosing Half time we're boozing While the chairman was smoozing Treated like cow We didn't mind We're waving our rounds Half an Scott Are you having a f***ing Hello and welcome back to Hammer Podcast the original West Ham history podcast solely concentrate on the glorious past years of this club. Uh, you know, we're probably coming to the end now because uh, we've done two and this is our third one. And that's about it for us, isn't it? We're glory years. Well, you know, we, we can make something up. I think we're that's not what we're up, but Yeah, we'll have to just keep making it up. That we, we know we're keeping the 86 powder dry. Yes, we're we teasing can't. them like a good stripper does. As I like to say, you don't want to shoot your bolt too quick. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you can there hear the dog sit sounds of my good friend, Canning Town, Len. Uh, how are you doing, then? I'm all right. Thank you. Keep, keep him well? <laughs> you know I'm not keeping well, you little monkey. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, he's, he's over the worst, people. Yeah. And, um, and uh, it, we're here together to yep. be able to bring you the season that we're looking at, which is the year 1999 to 2000. The start on the millennium, quite a different season, one that showed promise, but we started off all the way back on the 17th of July in the Intertoto Cup because we'd qualified for the UEFA Cup for the first time in our history by league placing, by finishing fifth the season before. And we started, do you remember against, it was FC Jokovic from Finland? Yeah, I was there. I went to that one. Hot day. Well, it would have it's been in July. Yeah, 17th of July. Unbelievably, well, I don't know if you could say that, 
the crowd was only 12,000. Yeah, well, great. No one wants to watch football in July. Do you know, I, I thought, I remember the game quite well. Uh, we won 1-0. A goal scored by Paul Kitson. Yeah, I remember it. And uh, it, I thought it was nice to go in T-shirts and shorts to watch a game of football. Because mm. it was a lovely hot day. I mean, nobody really knew who these Finns were. No. Uh, a bit of a joker club. Um, <laughs> as their name suggests, which set us up for the the one nil win, which was good because no away goal. We then played them in the next round away back in Finland. I'm not sure if there was TV coverage of this. Do you remember seeing anything? No, I, I vividly remember that the entire competition was almost a, somewhat of a blackout because I remember. Uh, the second leg in Mets, just doing a pub call to find out who had it on, and we found a pub in the end. No, but other than, I remember the jockey out, I don't think I went to the Heronveen game in the, the next round. And to be honest, going through this, I wasn't 100% sure of the format either. Wasn't sure how many rounds we had to play, but suddenly we were in the semi-final. I think we we entered in round three. Oh, okay. So there'd been two rounds previously. When were they and- played then? The previous rounds? Straight away, it must have yeah, been. Yeah, they'd, they'd started in June. And it was done in, I don't know if you remember, because it was three winners of the Intertoto Cup each year. I remember year. that after. So you had teams put in pots. And then we, uh, I mean, Jokeritz did the, the away game. I was in Stevenage in a national five-a-side tournament. And we, we'd finished uh, that day, I think, just before three o'clock. And we drove around the bars looking for it. And we couldn't. And in the end, we had to just sit in a pub in Stevenage because we were there for the weekend. Yeah. So, you know, we, we just had to ride it out and try and get the, you know, we were more bothered about drinking then. But it just shows you our TV, you know, football wasn't saturated then. It did have that break in the summer. Yeah. That, you know, it was a... Uh, an English cub playing European football in July and the TV companies, it seems, didn't want to pick it up. No. Next up, we had Heravine, Lampard scoring. I mean, I'm not saying people weren't enamoured about the Jokeritz game. Do you want to guess the attendance for the Heravine home game? Oh, I wasn't there. It would be guessing. Uh, so you're saying it's less, so I'm saying it's eight or nine? Eight well, or nine yeah, it was seven and a half. <laughs> okay. Seven and a half hours. I'm trying to think of... Emptier games. I've been at Upton Park with that. I can only think of one we played West Brom, I think, once in the Zenith Data Cup. And I think there was about three odd thousand there with that. But I mean, I, I remember it being a ghost town. Lampard scored a good goal. You know, we didn't know if it would be enough for the away leg. But luckily, on my mum's birthday, August the 4th, uh, Paolo One Shop scored his first goal away. I'm pretty sure I remember watching this on the telly, though, this one, in uh, Heravine in Holland, who actually drew a bigger crowd. They, they had 13,500 for theirs. Mm. And then the week after that, first game of the season, home to Tottenham Hotspur. I remember that. Was you at the game? Yeah. Uh, early Lampard goal, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, Frank Lampard scored the first or scored the only goal of the game and we, we got to beat Tottenham 1-0 I think I'm not sure that, that this was when Ginola was playing for Spurs or did he just join them I don't know if that was his first game for them I think that might have been the season before I remember that was being because we had a runner game. beat in Spurs didn't we, we did, didn't so we? obviously you know, they were nothing like the team that they uh, that, that they are now that set us up for Mets at home in the in the Toto the, the, the final first leg did you get a chance to get a ticket? I can't remember. Honestly, can't remember. I don't think I 
did. There was a sellout crowd to say, no, I wouldn't Yeah, have, yeah. No. I, was, I was Bobby Moore lower that night, and I remember it because it was my nephew's very first game, and it, he, he had the front row on Bobby Moore upper, just above me with his mum. And from that day, poor old Bill was hooked. <laughs> <laughs> and he suffered with depression ever since. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that that was like my gift to West Ham because my kids didn't really want to watch West Ham, so my gift to West Ham was Billy. But anyway, a one nil defeat. It was the ex Newcastle striker Louis Zaha who, who who scored the goal with a header. We, we missed a penalty. I think Lampard missed a penalty to or, or the Canio it may have been to, uh, to to get us level. So you think with the away goal, that's possibly us saying goodbye. Luckily, it wasn't because we had the final coming up two weeks later in Mets, game shown on telly. Do you remember seeing this game? Eventually, yeah, we got into a pub and found it. It wasn't um, very widespread, the coverage. I think Sky might have covered it. It could even be near ESPN, something like that, back yeah. in the day. I, I think it might I, have been, you know. Yeah, I can't it. remember who showed it, but I mean, it was disappointment for me. My uncle would turn up three days beforehand. Uh, said, get your passport, I've got us tickets, uh, and I'm not a great traveller, to be fair, and I never had a passport. So he, he, he took a mate, <laughs> and they actually drove to Metz. Okay. Um, I think Metz is somewhere down on the Luxembourg, like French-German border, so it was oh, quite a it? trot. It took him a full day, he said, to get there. But they, they were in the seat in area there, there was a terracing I don't the game we won three one Mets equalized which then or or we went two new up it may have been then Mets got a goal which meant we were going out. Yeah for I think the Canio got the winner and 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 it was uh, Frank um, wasn't it? Was it Frank? I, think I know so. the Canio scored. I think one shot scored. Yeah one shot scores. I think yeah. Frank got the winner he got he had a great game. I remember yeah, that, it for me, that was his coming of age season. Yeah, definitely. To be fair, when he, he became the goal scoring midfielder, you know, with every season he got better and better, and that, without doubt, was his best season for West Ham. Was this would have this been his last season, Nigel? No, no. Okay. He, he he played a full part in the in the next season. Okay. Um, oh, of course, which, yeah, because it was after Harry got the sack, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. What was your what are your memories or opinions of the Frank Lampard departure? Because me personally, I thought it was a good deal for everyone concerned. I thought the money was right. As far as, not that I really give a monkey's about Frank, I think the move was probably right for him. It was twofold for me, really. I, I thought the sacking of Redknapp was wrong. Because for me, we, we had a bad season. We may cover this in months going forward, who knows. But we had a bad season. We avoided relegation. We stayed up with 42 points. And he was sacked before the last game of the season. And then they put Roder in temporary charge. And I'd, I always thought, you know, we'd just had three seasons of top 10. Never done before done. Stat I gave you earlier. Only once in our history is West Ham finishing the top 10 three times. Redknapp had done that. This was his first bad season in probably four years. So I felt that it was a harsh sacking. Obviously, it's possibly, it was a political sacking, mm. not about the way the team was playing. Did he say and something naughty in a fanzine? Yes. Yeah, he gave an interview. He, you know, Harry was always open. Diversity. I, I remember going to, when we signed John Artson, 
uh, there was about 30 of us in a in, in Upton Park for a Capital Gold fans forum. They they filmed it or they recorded it for about an hour. Peter Story, Arts and Harry. I think Rio may have been there as well. He just broke into the team. And then at the end, everybody left except Harry. And there was 10 of us standing at the front for 45 minutes, maybe longer, mm. talking one-on-one with Harry. And he, he was always like that with the fans or the times that I met him. Mm. I met him a few times and he was he was always he would talk to and he loved talking about football so and he would always talk to the fans and he would always give an interview to the fanzines so he, he believed in communication as well mm. with the fans a lot of the animosity now that I see of him only came after he left I didn't see any animosity towards him while he was there if you get me drift yeah. about the Billy Bond scenario I don't yeah. know about you I only think it's, it's somewhat retrospective about the Billy Bonds. Yes. Um, yes. But Billy's really kept quiet about that. I mean, he hasn't even told his teammates what happened. They don't even know about that. No. Wow. My take of it is is that um, I, I knew a couple of I knew a, a couple of the players around the time that were at the club, youth players, and the the, the feeling you got was Bonds. Not struggled with management, but he wasn't a great man-to-man um, in the way Harry was. Mm. The way he dealt with people. One story that we knew that I could tell you of his time was Stuart Robson wanted to renew a contract with West Ham. Billy Bonds arranged to meet him at his office, turns up at his office, knocks on the door, and Bonzo was on the phone and said to him, I'm on the phone, can you wait outside? And Bonzo carries on the conversation. Now, apparently, Stuart Robson waited 15, 20 minutes, got the ump, knocked on the door again. And Bonzo was still on the phone. And he looked to Stuart Robson and went to the person on the phone, I'll ring you back in five minutes. Stuart Robson, he wants to play for West Ham. He was a West Ham fan as a kid. Yes, he did his years, you know, his seven, eight years at Arsenal. But he grew up as a West Ham kid, wanted to play for West Ham. was one of our best players at the time. had gone through terrible injury and fought to come back and play. And all his future was worthy of, he seemed, was five minutes. And that is why he then decided to go. Oh, well. And that, for me, you know, Bonds is, is a legend, undoubtedly my favourite ever player growing up as a kid. We loved the man forever. But I think as a manager, you know, perhaps he wasn't the right choice. You know, the, I think it's hard to say, was he the right choice or not? Perhaps because of what happened after Macari, he was the right choice. But it was never going to really succeed the way Harry did him. You know, hey-ho, that's history though, isn't it? You know, we can only assume what may have happened. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound, when you look at it now in the cold light of day, to think what we could have achieved if Harry, sorry, if Bill did move upstairs and become a, a real director of football and kept the continuity going with Harry, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? Yeah, I you mean, done that first place. This, this, perhaps this is Harry's point of view or side is that obviously while this was going on, you know, you've got to remember that West Ham. We'd got promoted. We brought Harry in as assistant manager. We got promoted. We'd stayed up quite fortuitously. Julian Dix was getting sent off left, right and centre. Harry struck the deal to Dix to Liverpool. And then, because obviously Jamie was at Liverpool and, and, and soon as the manager fancied Julian Dix. And then he, he managed to get Marsh and Burrows and bring in Lee Chapman, who had turned us down and gone to Portsmouth. I yeah, I remember that. But then decided to come to us. So obviously the ball are going to be sitting there 
and they're going to look at Bill's a manager, Aries is his assistant, but a lot of the good things, perhaps, were attributed to Harry that the board could see. Mm. And they realised Harry could do a lot of, you know... Don't say it. Don't say wheeling and dealing. Well, you know, the, the, the way perhaps it, it seemed, you know, to be the case. If you look at Bonzi's best team, it was perhaps done with the players that Lou Macari bought. Definitely. You know, I don't want to pick Billy Bonds apart. I don't want people to think I'm anti-Billy Bonds because I'm not. You know, uh, if you look at it in the cold light of day, his success, he got us up, was success with a team predominantly from Lou Macari's signings. Took us to the FA Cup semi-final, fantastic. We get promoted, but then we get relegated. The problem with the relegation season straight afterwards, it was tainted by the bond scheme, mm-hmm. which I'm hoping we'll cover yeah, in, we do in f- future episodes. Yeah. They probably went to Harry first. Yeah. You know, there's the story is Harry was being offered the Bournemouth job. He didn't like being a number two. He'd been a number one for years at Bournemouth probably feeling a bit frustrated, even though Bonzi, they come to him, say to him, we want you to be the man, we're going to push Billy upstairs. What do you think? And he's probably gone, yeah, all right, let's take it to him. Where Bonds has seen that as treachery, that they went to him first, and that Harry didn't actually say it to him. He allowed Peter Story to walk in, or, you know, whoever the chairman, Terry Brown was at the time, mm-hmm. took it to him. It's possible that that's where Bonzo felt stabbed in the back. Mm that the first he knew about it was when he got approached by board directors and Harry, and that Harry knew about the, the perceived move. That's another story. Yeah, that it? is. Back to the season in hand. <laughs> Back I'm to sorry, the season, 1999-2000. We bobbed along, winning a few games um, at the start. We, you know, we beat Leicester, we beat Watford, home games. We, we, we had a run of three wins on the trot. Mets, we beat Bradford, we beat Watford. You know, we were in the UEFA Cup, against Osiek from Croatia, who we smashed off the park 3-0, which set us up. And until we were beat then, we then had two defeats, strangely enough, where you could see the wheels. I mean, we'd got up to third in the table after beating Watford in September. Yeah. Typical West Ham, two defeats. We dropped down to 10. But then we played Arsenal at home in in what is quite a, a famous and infamous game, all rolled into one. And should we have a listen of what went on? Let's do it. One of me faves. Here we go. Canio. Still. Lampard right side. One chop ahead. Canio is still going amazingly. And here's Sinclair. And the first test for David Seaman. The ball still in play. And it's in. And I suspect that while uh, Canio takes all the applause, that it may well. I've got a slight touch off the defender, but the Canio amazingly took on the world and his wife and found the way home. Superb. Look at this. Away from Kier. Superb goal. And so against the run of play, it is not true. But West Ham United lead by two goals to nil. Good cross. Good header out too by Sinclair. Over Mars. 
Lomas, shook Oh! That's a foul by Vieira. And this time the red card is shown. It was almost inevitable that somebody would go. Oh, dear. And now others getting involved. And Grimondi doing a good job for his teammate here. And one or two players should be ashamed of themselves by their attitude just to make a bad situation even worse as a dealer pouring oil on troubled waters here. And Vieira, absolutely furious, is dismissed for a second yellow card. And this is why, and there's no doubt, that the referee was quite within his rights to show the second yellow card. All right, there you go. Arsenal put to the sword 2-1. A game remembered for two things, or three things actually, Lynn. The two Decanio goals and Patrick yeah. Vieira sending off. Yeah, spitting. Spitgate. Spitgate, indeed. First, the goals. I think it's the second one that's special. Do you remember? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm tempted to say it's Paolo's greatest performance, but then you think of the Chelsea game, uh, I think it might have been the season after. I, I, actually, coincidentally, uh, I was watching YouTube the other day and it suggested... Uh, all of Di Canio's goals at uh, the video they're also classy he didn't he didn't do tappings I mean I know he's number 10 and not an out and out number 9 but uh, just one class goal after another and he, he was a, a player much I suppose in the mould of Trevor and Dev but he could induce giggling like you were drunk he was that he had such magic and that second goal in that game was just a magical, magical goal. Yeah, I mean, when putting together this episode, so I have to review everything and go through it. it. It was tough to pick out. I've you know I've picked out about five or six games. Um, you know, we've skipped the start of the season quick. I've done him a disservice. We beat Watford one 0 early September. Not much. It was a not much of a game, but the goal he scored. He sort of curled it near post, but he was out wide. Yeah. And everybody's expecting him to cross the ball, and he bent it round the wall and into the near post, the only place he could beat the Watford keeper. I mean, it was the only goal of the game, but you just watch it and you think, <laughs> I remember being there. Um, I, I was a, a season ticket holder on the east side then, thinking, how the hell did he get that ball in the in the goal? They, and all, they all seemed to go in right against the post and stuff like yes. that, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the talent I, the man had. I mean, he, I mean Martin Keown w- was a good defender. You know, one of Arsenal's, uh, you know, a bona fide legend, and he made him look stupid with that second goal. Yeah. The, the, the way he tipped it round. Uh, and then the Vieira sending off, spitting in the face of Neil Ruddock, who I think he did he not do the, where he waved his hand in front of his face as if to say, well, you stink of garlic yeah. or something. I don't, <laughs> Yeah, I think that was a different incident, but he he was a little bit of a protagonist in it. It was um <laughs> uh, Neil. <laughs> yeah, I mean the outcome was Vieira got a six game ban, I believe, and 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 actually I think uh Ruddock got fined and got an FA charge. 
don't think he got banned, but he got fined for his part mm. in in the in the proceedings. But still, you know, it was a good win. We hadn't won for a few games, so it put us up the table. We then beat Bournemouth in the League Cup 2-0, Harry's old team. Typical West Ham, two away defeats. You'll get a pattern of this, winning at home. Yeah. Another two away defeats, uh, this time to Middlesbrough and then Stour Bucharest in in the um, UEFA Cup second round. Not a great performance in Romania. I think it shut it down with rain. I'm not saying it put pay to our, our attempt because obviously we, we still had the home leg to come. Next up though, straight away after that, we played Sunderland three days later in a one-all draw who had just been promoted. Kevin Phillips scored for Sunderland. I'm not, I can't remember who equalised for us. I'm trying to find out. It looks like it was Trevor Sinclair. I, I've never forgot this game because the, the biggest Sunderland fan in the world, with, with about a little boy who was about five, uh, just walked into the east side and sat down in his Sunderland shirt. <laughs> and I think everyone looked at him and went, yeah, you can sit there, mate. <laughs> 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 I mean, you've got a vision of a typical Sunderland fan. This geezer looked like, you know, bald dead, goatee beard, you know, mm. Sunderland shirt on with his tattoos. Yeah. And, uh, and he just walked in in his Sunderland shirt and sat down. <laughs> and nobody said anything to him. <laughs> oh, dear. That draw was followed by another two away defeats. We moved into November. Star Bucharest at home. Uh, a great performance at home, but uh, we drew a blank nil-nil. We threw the kitchen sink at Stour. Nothing happened. But then we're brought up to date. We play Sheffield Wednesday. Carlo De Canio. Comes for Sinclair. Still not away. One shot. This time it counts. And that broad grin tells its own tale. One of persistence, which in the end has brought his third Premier League goal of the campaign. The ball up. And Rudy, very cleanly struck. That's more like it. 1-1. And seven minutes to half-time. was high but not too high West Ham wanted a free kick and Yonk Wednesday in front and it's the Dutchman Wim Yonk and that takes some character for a side at the foot of the league to come from behind and to lead at Upton Park here's the Canio angle is tight it's palmed out and then it's Repelled on the goal line to deny Lampard. And then down goes Sinclair and the referee says penalty. And I'm not sure. And I think Trevor Sinclair is saying to Alan Wilkie, you've got that wrong. Vim Young made the challenge. Let's have another look. It was Atherton who denied Lampard, but this is the bit that really matters. And you know, he didn't touch him. It's a bad mistake by Alan Wilkie. De Canio against his old teammates won't be in the mood for mercy it's 2-2 and he cares only for those who employ him currently 
Sympathy to Sheffield Wednesday over the award of the penalty. Consummately converted by Paolo Di Canio. Battle of wits with a goalkeeper who used to be his teammate. Sommer. This is Rudy. And now Andy Hinchcliffe. And there's Booth! And Wednesday are back in front! that defeated Shaka Hislop down into the corner perfect header oh down goes to Canio was he caught by an elbow there it's Danny Sonner and Sonner is off Alan Wilkie yet to produce the red card but I'm sure Sonner can lip read there is the red and it's a straight red too despite the fact he'd already been booked he has been convicted of elbowing Paolo Di Canio. And it's a straight red card. Wednesday lead, but they're a man down now. Sinclair, away! And within seconds of the dismissal of Sonner, Wednesday conceded equaliser. Space tells its own tale. Moment of indiscipline by one of his midfield players. Wednesday, a man down. And Foe able to sweep in on the half volley to make it 3 3. Lampard. Now allowing Lampard the chance to run. And the shot has crept in. And West Ham have turned this game on its head. Six minutes to go, they trail 3-2, now they lead 4-3. And it's the silky smooth Frank Lampard. Helped, I think, by an error by Kevin Pressman, who was down a little late. Might have got a firmer hand on it. They have to wait a little while yet, there's Cole. Referee looking at his watch declares West Ham the winners by four goals to three. Four free win, Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, I, I, I don't, it's not really remembered when you think of classic Upton Park games. Well, what's a game of football it was? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Wednesday were obviously had the, the bad luck you get of being at the bottom of the league. And we had a real score more than new attitude that, that we had at the time. And then you got a game like that. Yeah, Wednesday, as you say, Wednesday were bottom of the table. I think they were struggling for wins. Shocked us. You know, you, you had the big build-up. This was De Canio's first time, I think. I'm not sure. It must be his first time against Sheffield Wednesday. A team he was playing for, well, he wasn't playing, was he? But he was still owned by them in the January of that year. This, this was only in the November. It was the day after my birthday. So that was obviously my birthday treat. Uh, from West Ham, so I'd like to thank him. Hmm. But it, you know, as you say, under Redknapp, we, we we had the, you know in the previous seasons with Arts and the Kits, and we'd had the Chelsea and Tottenham games where we'd come back from behind to win. We continued that on, 
with this Sheffield Wednesday victory. And as you say, you know, the, the, the attacking wise of the team, let's look at the team that day. So, you know, we had one chop, Kitson, Lampard, Decanio, you know, a great lineup there. But then the weird thing is, if you look at our defence, we had Hislop in goal, Potts, Ruddock, <laughs> Rio, you know, perhaps I'm doing them a, a disservice. You know, I don't know, perhaps I'm being a bit harsh on them, but it, it, it was typical West Ham. The back line was weak. We're going forward. You know, we always had that ability to turn it yeah. on. And of course, Di Canio, you know, stamps his mark on another game. What was Sheffield Wednesday's manager, Danny Wilson, I think. Yeah. He, he, he wasn't happy at the end of the game. You know, Di Canio possibly feigned injury with, with the um, sending off incident. And the thing that we'll talk about further on is Sheffield Wednesday got a penalty, very soft penalty, but the referee gave it against Trevor Sinclair. Sinclair going down very easily. And you, you heard the commentator there yeah. say, you know, it wasn't much. And to be fair, it weren't. You know, I'll bring this up later in the show in regards to the Canio being fouled and perhaps the Canio's, fe- fe- you know, theatrical way, ways around the pitch went against him as the yeah. season went along with referees. We then progressed through the season. We then beat Liverpool 1-0, another home game. We're now, the, the only team to have beat us so far, we're going into December, and the only team to have beat us so far is Mets. So I'm beating at home, and I've always say if you entertain your own crowd, you, you know yeah. your bread and butter season ticket holders. You know, even if you finish mid table, you know people will walk away happy and renew their season tickets. Yeah. In the December, get knocked out of the FA Cup third round by Tranmere Rovers in the December. Yeah. The FA Cup never been played in the, well, you know, the, the the third round of the FA Cup never been in the December before. Obviously, Man United were going off to play. I don't know, was it the world? I don't know. Man United were off to play some tournament. The World Club Championship. Yeah, and they didn't enter. Did they? Was this the year Man United were the holders and didn't enter? Is it that must right? Be because the next year was the Decanio goal. Because they were getting mm. chirpy. They, they thought they were still the holders. Mm. And then the very next year, I'm pretty sure it was the next year, we had a De, De, yes. Decanio goal up there. It would have been the very next year. We're out of the FA Cup, but guess what? We're in the fifth round of the League Cup with a home tie. With a home tie against Aston Villa to come. Yeah. You know, the, the winners are in the semi final. This is what happened just before Christmas. John Gregory was in the stands at the start of his touchline ban, and the players responded with Ian Taylor's goal after four minutes. It was a lead they held for 68 minutes until Di Canio twisted and turned and Lampard equal Villa thought they'd won it when Julian Jochim did his twisting and turning and Dion Dublin volleyed in a cracker two minutes into stoppage time. But the celebrations were immediately put on hold when Paul Kitson made full use of those around him to persuade the referee he had been fouled. Whatever the merits of that decision, Di Canio's penalty forced extra time and ultimately the penalty shooter. Gregory was allowed on the pitch to cajole his troops for this part. Alan Wright missed for Villa. Trevor Sinclair did likewise for West Ham. All of which meant Southgate's sudden death spot kick was one he couldn't afford to miss. But he did. Two all. You know, and West Ham finally win a penalty shootout. 
And we're on to the semi-finals. Or so we thought. Or so we thought, yes. Did you get to see the game? I was at that game, which makes it makes it sting even more. Mm. <sighs> what, do you, what, what, what do you do? You remember anything that stands out? <laughs> what from the actual from the actual game? Yeah. Well, I remember. I, I, I recall us playing Villa a few times in close succession, and nothing, not much, seemed to to separate us. I was very pleased we got through, and then I remember feeling quite optimistic about about it. But we're going to talk about Manny Omiyemi, aren't we? Yes. And how he um, came on for thirty seconds without touching the ball. Yeah, five, well, to be fair, uh, it was five minutes. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I, he, I think he think touched the ball once. <laughs> yes. Uh, to be fair to poor old Manny, uh, he did touch the ball once. But obviously, the story is that, you know, Omniumini, or Manny, we'll call him to make it easy for both of us, and apparently played for Gillingham, where he'd been at Gillingham on loan, played in the League Cup, two legs in both legs for Gillingham in the second round and was therefore cup tied come back to us after his three month loan expired gets put in the squad for whatever reason we don't know and then Harry he then put brings him on for the last five minutes of of injury time I don't even think he took a penalty on the um I mean my memories of the game are I think Dion Dublin scored in literally like the 93rd minute. Um, that was it. People were streaming out. So I've stood up to go. But where I sat at the back of the stand, I had to queue to get out. Mm. And in the time it took me to, queue, to to shuffle along my row and then queue down the stairs to get out, we'd kicked off. The ball gone over into the box. Paul Kitson, if you can see it on YouTube, Pete, we've got to see it. Paul Kitson had this ability to fall over. Uh, like a stuntman, uh, and make it look genuine. And he just literally got touched, fell over, referee, bang, penalty. And, in, you know, I'm still queuing to get out. Now we're all turning around, <laughs> running back to our seats because obviously we get the equaliser that pushes us into uh, extra time and the infamous penalty shootout. You know, I don't remember that. It's funny because the, the game being null and void and no one's ever watched it again. Yeah. I don't even remember that. That's, it was just one of them moments where you thought, oh, be Jesus, you know, because you're stuck at the back and you think, now I'm stuck. And, and, and literally everybody is pouring out because there mm. was literally one minute of the game of injury time left. And you think, oh, that's it. We're gone. You know, in a cup, we're out. Um, but you know, j- j- typical West Ham, isn't it? You know, they show you a, a taste of brilliance or success, and then are the directors of their own misfortune, basically. Mm. Has the situation happened since with another club? Nigel? Well, yeah, funny you should say that. I believe it happened this year with Liverpool, and they only copped a fine. Oh, well, there you go. Isn't it? So, I thought it was a harsh treatment of us. I mean, I would say that, wouldn't I? Yeah, I mean, if you look, if you look at it, did he affect the result of the game? And this is what, and this is where I think the people missed it. You know, rules are rules, I suppose. And in the, the day, we played a cup tied bloke. But if we'd have played him from the start and he made a contribution to the game, then I, I probably would have agreed with throwing us out. Mm. The fact that they didn't throw us out, as probably the rules would have allowed, says they acknowledged that 
you know, om naini, it made no difference to the result, which that case means you'd think, give us a fine. Let us play a semi. Let us play. I think we would have played Leicester in in the semi-final. Yeah, that's right. Who knows what would have happened, you know? Nobody knows. I must admit, I can't even tell you whether Villa went on to win it or who won the League Cup that year. It was just literally... Leicester won it, didn't they? Was it Leicester? Pretty sure they did. Think I, uh, Tony got his trophy. Yeah, Tony got his trophy. Perhaps it was. Sure well, there you go. That would have been... I forgot, obviously, Cotty would have been at Leicester. We so, might be wrong. Yeah. I think we're right. Well, people could always look it up. That then moved us on. We, we then had a, a the game after that. Villa game, uh, a 4-2 defeat to Man United at home. I don't, do you remember this game? Yeah, I do. I fancied this. Yeah. Was this just the Beckham masterclass, this this one? Or? Yes, it was a 4-2 defeat where they raced into like a 3-0 lead, I think, at half-time and totally outplayed us. And then second half, we've came out and we brought it back to 3-2. The Canio goes through one-on-one and decide, tries to chip the keeper, but Bartes reads the chip. Catches the ball, throws it out, bang. I don't know if it was Giggs, but someone got the fourth. Okay. We lose 4 2. You know, another top entertaining game of football. They always were, weren't they, against you know, Man United at home? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you think that was the still the remnants of the man, treble winning Man United team, only been European champions, you know, the, the year before. It was a disappointment, but it was one of them games where you walked out after losing thinking, blimey, we now have put up a fight there. Yeah. I mean, look, two goals against that team like that. Yeah. And, people, and we did that regularly against Man United. We was always out for it. They're always good games. I did think about putting the you know the, the audio in for that game because a fantastic game of football it was. Mm. But I wanted to try and concentrate on the wins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because again, you know, that was our first home defeat of the season and that was the week before Christmas. Oh, you're right there. Look. So it showed you we were sitting in the top 10 then, which we did for most of the season, we we hovered around between eighth and twelfth spot from three quarters of the season. So as we bounced about, next up a draw with Derby at home. We, we had a few draws and wins. We, we drew with Wimbledon on Boxing Day. Moved into the new year, draw with Newcastle away. We replayed the Villa game. I want to skip over it. Yeah, we finally replay. Ian Taylor, I think, smashed us. We yeah. lost three one. Um, I think David James saved a penalty that game as well. It was in goal for Villa. It all just sort of fell apart, realistically. Yeah. Uh, madly, three days after that, we played Villa again and drew one all. So we played Villa for the third time in the space of six games. Mm. This was another own game, drew one all. We moved into February then. We lose 2-1 away to Southampton. Uh, Gary Charles. Your mate. Yeah, my mate, yes, thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I grew, uh, listen, I knew Gary of old. He dreamt of playing for West Ham, dreamt of scoring a goal for West Ham. He managed it against Southampton on his full debut. Unfortunately, it was an own goal. <laughs> <laughs> we lost 2-1 so he didn't get to celebrate you know achieving a boy dream but that pushes on to a game against Bradford City who were at the bottom of the table with Sheffield new to the Premier League possibly one of my all-time favourite games at the bowling 
And Lomas taking the safety first option of his goalkeeper, Shaka Hislop, who's just been caught by Dean Saunders as he cleared the ball and looks to be in some discomfort. And Shaka Hislop, who was given permission to play today rather than join up with Trinidad and Tobago for the Gold Cup, may wish he was in America instead because he will not be able to continue. And an unexpected debut for 18-year-old Stephen Bywater. Decanio. Oh, that's lovely skill. Fine running by the Italian through the heart of the Bradford defence. And no penalty given by the referee. Wonderful run by the Italian whose heel was clearly caught by David Wetherill. Here's Peter Beagree for Bradford. And John Moncur is happy to concede the corner, surrounded by white-shirted players. two successive victories Bradford City take the lead at Upton Park as the corner came over the goalkeeper stayed rooted to his line and in the end it was a free header for Dean Windass Monker Harry Charles making a run on this near side here he is now finding Lampard this is a promising move Lomas Sinclair and it didn't take West Ham long at all to equalise Bradford's lead short-lived, a fine move. Lomas unable to finish it off himself. Sinclair was there. And the free kick given there for handball. And the pass from Gary Charles. Canio taking the kick quickly, finding Moncur. Oh, that's a terrific goal! John Moncur's first for two years. And Davison was at full stretch, but he just couldn't get there. Still, the half-time whistle hasn't blown. And the whistle has blown for a penalty. And the hero, just a few moments ago, has suddenly turned into the villain. Moncur, a judge to have fouled Dean Saunders. And Peter Beagree scores his 50th career league goal. Bradford making a positive start to this second half, knocking the ball around well. This is Gunnar Haller. side's lead oh it can be cruel in the premiership the shot should have been dealt with but the unfortunate fumble has been pounced on the canyon held off and held up illegally by the Norwegian Haller the canyon up and running straight away past Lawrence and then going down no penalty says Neil Barry and De Canio, to put it mildly is incandescent Haller was the defender he missed the ball and took the ankle it should have been a penalty De Canio had a case to set up the opportunity for his midfield colleague De Canio for Lampard Minto nice shape to West Ham's work De Canio most shapes that coaches try to impose and he's away again and he's down again and once more no joy for the referee Monker De Canio swept clear of Haller and now inside the Norwegian and past Lawrence and still going and then he had his leg 
post. And De Canio at the top of your picture now is down on his haunches, still talking to the bench, and I think still trying to persuade them to substitute him. He feels he should have had at least two penalties. This is the name on the lips of 25,000 West Ham supporters. Now here come West Ham once again, and Kitson could be in here. Oh, it was an untidy challenge, and this time it is a penalty. Having had several turned down, Andrew O'Brien is penalised for the challenge on Kitson. Hey, we're back in the school playground here, aren't we? I'm older than you, I want to take it, says Di Canio. And seniority wins the day because the Italian will take the penalty. And it's a good job for him that he scored. I'd like to have seen Frank Lampard's face if he'd missed, but West Ham are back in the game. And he's still not happy. Good running again by Sinclair. West Ham really do play some fine flowing football for the home crowd to enjoy. Here's Lomas. Sinclair. Cole, yes! It's the equaliser from Joe Cole. What a comeback from West Ham. Sinclair set it up. It's Cole's first ever league goal. And there's De Canio again. Does cover every single blade of grass on the field. Here's Frank Lampard. Oh, what a strike! And what a comeback complete for West Ham! Lampard with the goal! What a thrilling afternoon! 4 2 down to 5 4 up. Whew. We need to take a breath there. You know. I could have sworn Joey Cole got the winning goal, but now I remember um, Lampard smashed one into the roof of the net, didn't he? Yes. Eighteen yeah. yards. I mean, do you want to sum that game up? Oh, well, I can sum up my behaviour in the crowd. I was doing my nut. I mean, not at the... Um, Bradford had just been Arsenal, actually, their game before, and they were on... They were that time, they were real gung-ho. So we was expecting it, but we was... Ex- I say we was, I was. I was expecting him to come at us, but us being a bit too good. If we just, I was thought we were really, really sloppy. We really started sloppy, and I do actually think one of the Di Canio penalties in uh, in quote marks wasn't a penalty. The one where he wanted substitute that was a clear penalty, but there was one of them that he didn't look like a penalty, and it looked indisciplined. Everything. Um, obviously, Di Canio always makes that look a look, lot worse. But in hindsight, what a great game. Oh, what a shame I'm standing there with the ump. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you remember with it? I, got, I didn't enjoy it at all. Uh, Funny until we got the, the winner. And then, you know. Where I sat, um, for this reason, I, I had a bit of, you know, I'd renewed my season ticket late, so they'd already give away my, my original seat. So I was sitting away from my mates. I was sitting upstairs. My mates were down on the chicken run. But, I, you know, I took a seat in the East End. So I, sat, I got to enjoy these games on my own rather than have a mate to, to bounce off of. For me, it, perhaps behind the Ipswich game in 86, this is, you know, this will be the game that I would point to. People say, if you can watch one game over and over again and you're only allowed to watch one game, I think I always pick this one because it just had everything. You know, Bradford, bottom of the table, playing well, especially at home. We think we're going to wipe the floor with, well, me, I thought you're going to wipe the floor with them. Go one new up. 
you know, a great Decanio strike from just on the edge of the box, I believe. And then you think, here we go, we're up and running. And then Bradford, you know, come back into the game. <sighs> Fortunate penalty, I thought, but Moncur clipped the bloke who went down. They go 2-1 up. But then Moncur gets a worldy just before half-time. Cannoned off the post. Yeah, and, and a good game, didn't you he? You know, 2-0 at half-time. You think, right, here we go. You know, and then we come out and, you know, the geezer had dyed his hair red. I've forgotten. Jamie Lawrence oh, was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the funny thing about it was he stuck out like a sore thumb and he murdered us, didn't he? Yeah, so he came out and, you know, obviously Jamie Lawrence is playing with Brad, but he ain't the greatest of players. And he just absolutely got an, two top draw goals. I mean, I think it's hard, you know. Yeah. He had come in. I, I, it's possibly his first ever game in the first team. I think it uh, was, yeah. Quickly, you know, Islop had broke his leg. It hadn't, obviously, we didn't know, the people didn't know, but Islop had broke his leg, challenged with Dean Saunders, an innocuous challenge. I don't think Dean Saunders was to blame. Bywater, nervous performance. Dropped one. I think in, in I think one of the second goals, the ball came straight at him and he dropped the ball and then Lawrence taps in. We're 4-2 down. I think there was still half hour to go, though. So time was on our side. And, you know, as with the Sheffield Wednesday game, we had a bit of belief, I think. Yeah. That that something could happen. And I disagree with you. I think all three Decanio penalty shouts were penalties. Yeah, you're probably right. But I remember just thinking that at the time. It looked, as you were alluding to before in the Wednesday game, it looked like he, he, he put a bit of VAT on some of them. Well, he went I, down. And this is the problem where I think with Di Canio was uh, why he didn't get those penalties. Is yeah. that because of what had gone on in previous where he over-exaggerated the fall. Yeah. He loved to roll around at the time and, you know, you know, which is not, wasn't really part of the English game back then. You know, it was something that we always deemed a foreigner brought in, and there was yeah. Canio doing the same thing. And sometimes it used to frustrate me. And if you look at the three penalty shouts against the penalty we actually got, which again was Paul Kitson falling over. Paul Kitson come off the bench. Harry, before to Dan, he brings off Gary Charles, puts on Paul Kitson. I think it's the first thing Kitson does is fall over in the box. Just literally just falls down. And the ref went pen. Because it weren't De Canio. <laughs> no. And that's, you know, that's where, for me, when you look at it, I think the referee, we didn't get those three penalties because it was De Canio. Yes, I mean, right. the third one, you know, he, he left the bloke for dead and the bloke took his trailing leg. You know, and then, yeah. I, you know, I was on the east, and, but I was level with it. You know, it was nailed on pen, and then we're just... I wasn't even watching the game. I hadn't seen Dean Saunders go and get hit the post. Because we're just watching Paolo shouting, because he's then running around, waving that his was, hands in the air, sub me, sub me. That's right. And that's sat the down point in front of the bench. Yeah. It, we stopped, and it just went straight up the other end. And I'm, I'm thinking, this is a nightmare that just lost control. It just looked like... We had so many attacking players on the pitch at that point. We were just so gung-ho. Actually, I mean, it's a shame, really. I wasted it. I learned a lesson there. I, I wasted what was witnessing a really, really good game and just doing me nuts, just 
Yeah, I can I can understand though that, that people getting frustrated, and, and perhaps it was because we did think we were going to smash these off the park. This was crappy Bradford; they'd never been in the Premier League before, and you know, I don't even know how long they'd spent in the in Division One, let alone the Premier League. They survived that season. In they the did. End, they? they did. It was it was famous because Rodney Marsh had said, you know, if if He'd Bradford shave his hair off, yeah, and they had to do it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, but yeah, it, it's just a game that just for me, that's that for me sums up the best of West Ham. Yeah, in, in one game, it, it, that is for me the, the, the one West Ham game. You know, and at the end of the day, we only got three points for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Better than Bradford, they must have deserved well, at least a point. Four goals away from home. Yeah, Joe Cole's first league goal for for West Ham. Next game was Everton at home two weeks later because of international mm. break. Do you remember this game? Oh, yeah, I remember every Everton game we lose. Yeah. Do you, Quite do, heavily. Do, do you remember who we signed in between the Bradford game and the Everton game? Um, we signed a player. Sasa Illich. Oh, God. Cholton goalkeeper. I recall now, yeah. And obviously, we'd lost Shaka Islop. We put Bywater in goal. Poor old Stephen Bywater had a shocker. I mean, he was only 18, 19, so perhaps, yeah. you know, cut him some slack. Harry then thinks, Shit, we need someone else who's available. Sasa Rilic, not playing in the first team at Cholton, <laughs> may have, you know, yeah. may have highlighted, you know, but in an emergency loan, Sasa Rilic comes in and comes straight into the game against Everton. It wasn't his, yeah, oh God. Didn't I mean, he get dropped after that for Ian Fura? It was the it was the only game he played for us. He did get dropped next game. Uh, Craig Forrest coming. Oh, okay. So looking at the lineups, yes. So we Foyer did come in for three games. For three games. Yes, later in the season, and then Bible will finish the season. So we used four goal, five goalkeepers: Hislop, Forrest, Illich, Foyer, and Bywater. We used five goalkeepers, and all five were used um, in from the January to the May. Wow! So, but yeah, the uh, without that for me, worst ever performance, worst ever player I'd ever seen in a West Ham shirt, Sasha Rilich. And I'm a member of the goalkeepers' union, and we're supposed to stick together. But I will gladly jettison that man. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for, for me personally, I thought, well, you know, Bywater can't be that bad. No. <laughs> you know, what was that? thinking? What I was your know. mate thinking? I Nigel? don't know. I don't know. But well, he, he obviously um, came to his senses because the next week we're away to Watford and we get a two-one win. So we we get a, he brings Craig Forrest in. I think Forrest, Craig Forrest. May have been away with Canada in in the Gold Cup, America. Hence why he didn't why they had to go and get Sasserilich. Another own win followed against Southampton, and we had a draw with Chelsea. Before we come to March the twenty sixth, two thousand Sunday game, I was supposed to be babysitting. Well, you say babysitting, I call it babysitting, but it's looking after my own child. My wife was out that Sunday. I gave my seat away. Perhaps, you know, because I lived next to the Grand then, I went and had breakfast, early doors and cassataris, took my three-year-old daughter with me, 
and people were starting to get to the grain mill, mill about. And I said to her, do you fancy coming to watch West Ham play? And she jumped up and down excited. Now, that's what I'll say anyway. But she, <laughs> she went against it. So I then had to pay out again and buy two new tickets uh, to sit on the um, centenary lower where the away fans finished sitting. But we, the home fans used to sit when the stand was first built. That used to be the home corner. The away yeah. fans were more the west side, not the east side, and sat there. And I got to witness, I don't know, it's quite early in game, perhaps the greatest ever goal scored at Upson Park. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Earl. Michael Hughes can't play the first time, nor the second time. Bent wide nicely by Mark Vivian Foet. Sinclair's cross over Cunningham. De Canio! I do not believe that! That is sensational! Even by his standards! Take a bow, son. Take a bow. You are not going to see a better goal than this. Great ball from Foy, even better ball from Sinclair. But that is just sensational. Outside of the right foot, he's off the ground with his both feet when he makes contact. Look at him, up he goes. Oh, that is quite sensational. What a magnificent goal. A moment of striking perfection from Paolo Di Canio. What Not quite without pictures, that one, though, is it? Don't do it. I, yeah, there's a bit of me that thinks a Martin Tyler description, it. you know, is, is you know, can can paint a picture in your mind. Yeah. So if, if you took out the players' names and played that with no players' names uh, with Andy Gray afterwards, I think everybody would still be able to point it out as that Yeah, goal. maybe you're right, mate. Maybe you're right. I wasn't at that game. I didn't have a season ticket that year. I'd bought a house. and But the funny enough, it just shows what an impressionable goal it was. I remember exactly what I was doing. I wouldn't say it was a JF Kennedy moment, but I wouldn't know, would I? It was, that was before I was born. But I was putting up, and I'm looking at them right now. Uh, I was putting some blinds up. And I'd stopped just to, just out of chance, take a momentary glance at the football, and I saw that, and it was just wonderful. Fantastic. I mean, I weren't there. it's weird because it was live on telly, so I could easily have sat at home with a window open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Watched it on telly and heard the crowd. 
But that, that perhaps, you know, shows how mad I was uh, as a West Ham fan. Addicted like a drug, one person said to me. I think the problem was where I live so close to the ground. Thought of being so close and not being there just, you know, meant I had to front up the money again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like some madman. In, in the good days when you could turn up and buy a ticket. I, even now, I can remember, I went to the ticket box down Priory Road. And I very rarely used that ticket office. But I'd come out of Casataris, and it must have been about, I don't know, half past 10, 11 o'clock. And I walked down and uh, bought the tickets and then walked back home and got my daughter ready, put her in a little shirt, little molly on the back. We, I got in early to the ground to make sure that she weren't in the crowds. Sat her down. She watched the first half, fell asleep at half time and never woke mm-hmm. up. In fact, she never woke up until we, we got home. I had to carry her all the way home. Um, Too much for, was it? Yeah, I mean, you know, I I get to tell her, you know, this was your first game or whatever. I think all she can remember is waving at Bubbles the Bear. Uh, uh, and yeah, she's she's not a big football fan now either. I don't know. Nah. You, know you can you know you can lead a horse to water, but you can't that's make it right. drink, can you? That's nah. that's all I do. And believe me, you know I took her to that water trough time and time yeah. and time. Again. You waterboarded her in the end, didn't I? Think, didn't I, I think water bouldering. <laughs> 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 oh dear, oh, dear! I did lose it with her once, but uh, she was looking at her phone and she looked up and said, "What way are we kicking?" And oh. I just we were losing it at the time and I just looked down at her and, and, and said look you know we were playing carrot and blue uh, you know have you not been coming long enough to work out what way we kick and it, you know there was it was a bit worse than that and even my mate tapping on the shoulder went a bit harsh there Nigel mm. <laughs> still the season progresses we're coming towards the back end the next game I was at Upton Park to watch the next game but it was an away game Man United it was a beanback. The great beanbacks used to love them. We scored Paolo Wanchop, who's who was a bit underrated for me. Yeah. Actually, we've not really covered him in this because it was all about Decanio. But but Paolo Wanchopio sort of sparked to life towards the end of the season and had quite a good running with the goals. He scored after two minutes at Old Trafford, which uh, they said was a bad idea. Yeah, you know what? Do you know how many man? Can you remember how many man United got? I think mean, they got seven, didn't they? They did get seven. Yes, yeah. So, it was it. You know, I think we stung the bear basically. Yeah, they absolutely ratted us. Just the type of stupid things I remember in Alveda Zane Pet when they're in Cuba. One of them has to become like a British spy and befriend a Chinese Man United friend, fan, yeah. and has to pretend. He's a Man United fan and gets a game sent to him from England on video and they watch the game together and he has to drug him and he drugs both of them. But the game they watch is that 7-1 win. Oh, is it? That is how sad I am because every time I watch Alvina's own bet and they get to that, I think, oh, it's that 7-1 win they've put on the video. It was a collapse, wasn't it? Oh, dear. But, you know, in a way, summed up the season. The away form, yeah. Well, yeah, the away form. Well, just to sum it up, April the 12th, so 11 days after that defeat, we play Newcastle at home. Um, I th- was, you, was it one of the games you was at, or it was a midweek game? I don't even game? remember it, mate. All right, well, I'll tell you, I've not got no audio people, so this is my memory. 1-0, Dan, we're not playing well. 
one chop is brought on, I believe, as a sub. I don't know why he wasn't playing because he'd got to go against Man United. But uh, we'd signed Canute and, and who, who had obviously scored against Wimbledon. He's decided to go with Canute, not one chop. One chop comes on, I don't know, 10 minutes to go. There was a bit of a groan, you know, one chop for some reason. Um, the fans hadn't took to him. He was a clumsy player, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, an appearance wise, yeah. Yes. He... Yeah. You know, he, he, he did. Well, he came on and scored two goals and we won it 2 1. And it was like, wow. You know, it sort of, it was it was a midweek game. I'm not sure if it was covered by TV cameras, but it was just, you know, it, it was good in a way because some of the negative fans, you know, we, we can get on the backs of players sometimes. It's well known that if players don't like you, you know, especially at Upton Park, you know, we'd, we could get on your back. Mm. And it was almost like um, two fingers up. Yeah, Boamorte, yeah, you know, one chop. One chop then scored another two goals. Three days later, we beat Derby County 2-1 away, back to his old club. Yeah. Uh, a, a great away win. Uh, Derby were, were a middle-of-the-road team back then. So, it, you know, it was, I think, one of only three or four away wins that season. So all were to be savoured. And then that leads us up to what turned out to be our last win of the season. There were still uh, five games left, and it was against Coventry City. And another young player came to the table. 18-year-old Michael Carrick needed only seven minutes to take centre stage with his first ever goal at senior level. Magnus Hedman could only stand and watch as the youngster celebrated a special moment. Soon it was 2-0. This time, Javier Margas, the Chilean international defender, was able to celebrate his first goal in English football towards the end of his second season here. And didn't he enjoy it? Coventry were simply never in the game. And when they lost possession again early in the second half, Carrick found Paolo Di Canio and the Italian took full advantage of the wide open spaces on offer. Remember, this is a man who wouldn't know how to score a scruffy-looking goal if he tried well worth soaking up the acclaim. Coventry City's day, which was already turning into a rather miserable one, was about to take a turn for the worse. Colin Hendry's challenge on Frederick Canute saw him win the ball, but also accidentally receive a hefty blow in the face from the Frenchman's knee. Di Canio and co were rightly concerned as it turned out. Hendry's bravery has never been in doubt, but his season, already affected by injury, looks over. A nasty collision resulting in a broken nose and a suspected fractured eye socket. We wish him a speedy recovery. It was back to the wall for Coventry as West Ham pushed hard for a fourth, and it duly arrived after a neat interchange of passes involving Ferdinand, Di Canio and Minto. It was Di Canio who finished it off with his second of the game, though he didn't deem it spectacular enough to show his vest this time. Coventry may be safe unusually early, but they haven't won away in the league this season. Their misery was completed by on-loan striker Canute. So, Harry, is he worth signing permanently? I think the answer to that was yes, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah it was, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was. I didn't realise he was on loan. Yeah, yeah. He, a typical Harry. You know, this, this was the best side of Harry. Finds a player. Don't think none of us knew who he was. Scored a great goal against Wimbledon on his debut. Yeah. And then follows it up with a goal against Coventry. I think he got an, uh, a couple of other goals. But, but he's all-round play. You could see 
he, he's he a was, quality. Yeah, he, he was going to be the real deal. Mm. For whatever reason, one chop was then allowed to leave at the end of the season. Probably the Canio, uh, Harry thought that um, Canute would match up better with the Canio than one chop did, which is a bit harsh. I mean, I ran the season up quickly. We then played Middlesbrough at home where we'd lost 1-0. Strange defeat. We were just never at the races. I don't know if you was at that game, Len. No, I don't remember that. No, it was it was a god-awful game. Um, you know, we'd just done Coventry 5. Everybody turns up. You know, we're 8th. We've got a possibility of finishing top 6. You know, and we blew it. And then we had two away games that we lost to Arsenal and Sunderland. And the last game of the season was Leeds at home. David O'Leary was Leeds manager then. They got the point they needed for Champions League football and celebrated under the pitch. The good news was, I suppose, Stephen Bywater had kept a clean sheet for the first time. <laughs> was that the Leeds game? Yeah, the Leeds game. Okay. That wraps up the season. So if we go to the season stats, we finished ninth, 55 points. Um, above Spurs, who were 10th from 53 points. But, you know... Goal difference wise, Leicester overtook us to go to go uh, eighth, but we were three points behind Villa and Sunderland, who finished seventh and sixth. So, mm. you know, I think I think Villa got UEFA Cup football off the back of sixth place, and you know, the season before we'd finished fifth, so it was a bit of a disappointment, realistically. Yeah. Um, Good fun though, yeah, as a whole. Yeah, as as I said earlier, this was the um, third season in a row we'd finished in the top 10, which was the first time in our history we'd ever done that. Never in, in, in top flight football, we'd had three seasons on the trot with top, um, top 10 finishes. And it's still the only time we've ever done it. And, you know, for... What people think of Harry, I, I, I think that's the, that's what we've got to try and remember with, with Redknapp. He did through that purple period bring an outstanding team and, and played some really proper West Ham football as I would say as I would call it mm. we're good players though looking back I mean to to even quibble about whether to play one chop or not I mean Harry always made sure he wasn't short of attacking players didn't let's be honest I mean I, I would, if we look back at one chop's record 42 games that season in total with four as a sub and um, he scored 15 goals. Decent money. I mean, that is, you know, you think nowadays, what would we give for a player like that? Yeah. Only two yeah. less than Di Canio. Di Canio was the top scorer. This is all comps, by the way. Uh, so Di Canio got 16 in the league, one in the FA Cup. And scored, uh, yeah, 16 in the league. So he scored 17 goals. That was it. And this season, I believe we had a a young Jermaine Defoe on loan at Bournemouth knocking 30 in. Obviously breathing down the next. What was that season after? Um, well, th- th- I've got the stats here, funny enough, because I've got my stat book out. So Defoe scored 37 goals in 38 games for the reserves and youths. Decent. So we won the under nineteen league table. How oh, pretty now? And we won the under seventeen league table. 
Was this the year we won the Youth Cup as well? No, this was the year after. So the, the, we oh, won okay. the, the Youth Cup in 99, so 98, 99. Okay. Um, I mean, I mean, you got to remember a fair a fair amount of the team was still the, the leftovers, uh, but obviously Cole and uh, the, sorry Joe Cole and Carrick had been promoted into the senior team. It just shows you the strength for the youth team to win both the under seventeen tables and the under nineteen. Uh, Leon Britton, who, who went on to to do much better. Garcia, who ended up playing for Hull in the Premier League, I believe. Yeah. The Australian. Uh, who else this year I can pick out? Uh, is Ezimo Erika Pin, who, oh, okay. who went to play for... Ezimo Erika Pin, who's... Well, not this season, but he, he he should have been the youngest ever player to play for West Ham. He was away at Man United, losing 4-1. And, and Redknapp's got him stripped to, to run onto the old Trafford pitch. And uh, the ball didn't go out of play, and the ref blew the final whistle. Ah, oh. and he was, and he never got first team football, and that was oh. it. <laughs> he was literally dressed like standing by the side of the pitch with with um, it must have been Frank Lampard Senior waiting for the ball to go out of play for him to have his thirty second run out. Yeah, you know? and uh, and and that was it. So there's your season, people. Ninety nine, two thousand, a great season overall. European football was back even though it sort of petered out a bit, but some of the best games and possibly the best goal that we'd seen in the Upson Park era. And possibly, the, you know, apart from the last season at Upson Park, possibly the last great season that we had. Didn't we come seventh for you after that? No, not the year after. Oh, okay. No, that was a couple of years later. Yeah, perhaps I'm being a bit arsed here on, on uh, that was Glenn Rhodes' first season. Okay, folks, that uh, our time is up. Hope you've enjoyed this week's show, 1999 to 2000, the turn of the millennium, and realistically, it was the Canio's year. Uh, until next time, it's goodbye from me, and it's... It's a ta-da from me. Ta-da. So you pay off a crown in the schoolboy's enclosure You lose your composure Dying from exposure Your mate cause he knows you Tries to warn ya you. You'll be stuck in a corner You're looking through bars With your problem of mask You can't see a thing Is it Frankie The landlord that's been It wasn't half bad But only remembered For doing a Morris dance Round the flag Who would have thought He'd be playing at 40 William Bonds Could be a little bit annoying Splashing the cash Your nails pie and mash Your dan and monkeys You pop a nice cap But here's a precaution For a tonic dog You get a magic race Fulton on plate The size of a sky dish That is fried fish And the chips that are you look a bad game of gender. Go on a bender Over the central Get a little bit drunk Go a little bit mental Gentle You know Sentimental Not like those fruits And the spray tan daisy roots When they're spawning for trouble I'm off on the double Head on the terraces And sing I'm forever Blowing bubbles oh,
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.